0: Greetings, human beings, and welcome back to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and alongside my co-host Adam, we are here to discuss all things community, each and every layer of the show, and why we love it so much. On today's episode, Adam will be making the case for why Jeff is the most important character on the show, and then we will be ranking and discussing all six of the community season openers. Before we get to all that, though, we've had a few changes of our own here in Apartment 303 as we now kick off our second season, so... Let's pick up with the cliffhanger ending to our season one finale. Adam, how have you been since we last
1: talked, my friend? What have you been up to? I have been busy to say the least. It takes a lot more work than I anticipated to convert a minivan into a camper. So for those of you who put down money that uh, I would be traveling the world in a, in a van called Vanna White, uh, congratulations, you are correct. So I've been doing that with both my dad and my twin brother and it's been a rewarding process and I'm getting ready here to reap the benefits of that labor and, and actually enjoy traveling around and seeing some of the new places uh, for the indefinite future here. So very excited about that. Uh, what about you, Dave? What have you been up to? My, my cliffhanger was,
0: was a little bit uh, a foot in each side. I. Do have a second podcast that i've been working on we're about to put out our second episode Um, it's called roundtable report it is about the mmo world of warcraft and uh, the gaming community i've been a part of for a long time but i am not leaving apartment 303 to pursue that full-time in fact um, as we look to get things going here in season two i'm going to be uh, stepping out a little bit from behind the booth and taking a more active role in in host duties. So very excited, Uh, got a lot of good stuff to look forward to here.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great opportunity for you. Of course, that transitions us into the element of the cliffhanger, which is more accurate. Uh, While Scott didn't necessarily take a job working uh, to rebuild city colleges cross country team he has stepped away from the podcast but we're very excited and happy for him to pursue his professional endeavors cross country and long distance running will definitely be related to that you all know that was a passion of his we are very pleased for him he's still a friend of the podcast and vice versa so uh just very excited for him to take this new step in this new direction and we'll uh we'll see him when we see him
0: yeah, and you know we've we've obviously said our piece uh, in private, but I do just want to go on the record here and and give a big thanks and shout out to Scott um, for helping us get this far. Uh, definitely would not uh, you know be be where we were without him. But uh, you know, much like the apartment three hundred three from Canon, you know we're we're gonna move on with with this lineup for the new season. So let's get into that right away. I did tease that later on we we're going to be discussing. All six of the season openers, not necessarily doing a deep dive on any, but more from the perspective of ranking them against one another. Uh, Adam and I have not discussed our rankings, so I'm very interested to see uh, how that unfolds. Uh, Before we get to all that, though, I want to get into a subject that we are going to be coming back to throughout the year, which is kind of making cases for individual characters. And we're going to kick that off today with what's probably the most natural, logical starting point, and that is talking about Jeff, uh, Jeff Winger. So, Adam, I'll let you take it over from here. Tell us, here in Apartment 303, why Jeff
1: is the most important character on this show. There's no doubt about it. Jeff is absolutely the most important character in the entire study group. I have a laundry list of reasons here. I'll go through them. Some are funny, some are serious, some deal with Jeff as though, you know, if we're treating him like he's a real person and the group is, you know, a real group of people, and others are related to how he fits into the characterization of a sitcom, right? So, first of all, and I think that's a good place to start here community doesn't get made without a lead character like jeff that show does not get picked up by nbc without that type of protagonist and the character of jeff is if we can look at it from this point you know as the pilots being made as they're casting this even extends beyond the role that joel McHale plays because NBC executives weren't sure that they wanted Joel. They wanted to get the character of Jeff right. They wanted to have the maximum appeal that they could. Again, treating this like this is just another sitcom and there's a formula for how you do it and all of that. So the character of Jeff, even from that point, is the most important, most significant character to community being even made as a television show. So that's, I think, a really good opening point to make and then just sort of going chronologically here i took some notes on some things that jeff does which set the wheels in motion or cast a die if you like in terms of what unfolds in this show and so much of it revolves around jeff as that main character but sticking with the you know just the 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 pilot episode he's the one who pretends to be a board certified tutor therefore approaches Britta, and therefore the study group forms. Later on, he hereby pronounces them a community. And even actually after he is chased out of the group, uh, both Pierce and Troy actively seek Jeff's advice, and that kind of cements him as the leader of the group, even if that wasn't made explicit. Later on, he plays a mediating role between Gooby and Britta, uh Gooby being Abed's dad. And that puts him in a position and I mentioned it before and mostly I like to show off the little Latin I know, um, as him being the father of the group, you know, in loco parentis, which means in in lieu of parental supervision generally refers to a college setting. So and here's another point that we see kind of again and again and again is Jeff comes into these situations with one goal in mind. And generally speaking, we know what it is, is to do the least amount of work possible and still get what he needs out of that situation, whether it's a passing grade or looked favorably upon the group or whatever. So he obviously has a crush on Britta and a little bit later on in season one, he ends up platonically representing her uh, during that cheating trial at the pool. So he has his motives and desires. He puts those aside, I think, more often, probably than any character in the show is asked to do. And it's easy to say, oh, well, yeah, Jeff is... He's lazy. He's just looking out for himself. And that's generally true at the beginning of any season, at the beginning of any episode. But by the end of seasons and episodes, he ends up coming around and doing a little bit more of an altruistic thing than anyone would have expected at the outset
0: you know you're making a very strong case that that Jeff is the most important and you know it's hard to raise too much of a counterpoint without kind of making the affirmative for, for a separate character right but I will kind of say in a general level I think as the series progresses Jeff becomes less and less po- important over time
1: I think you're completely right. And it's interesting that you mentioned that without having looked at my notes, I have a lot of notes on seasons one through three, and they do start thinning out from there. And I I guess to a broader point, what I could say is that by getting the the group dynamics set up in the way that it is with Jeff being such an integral piece of the group that allows things to happen in other seasons. And I can certainly, uh, share. You know, there, there's there's cases against Jeff to be made for sure. There's plenty of them, notably in remedial chaos theory. The one timeline where Jeff actually has to leave the group is the one where the most people have the most fun. So there's certainly a case to be made there. I don't discredit or deny that for a moment. But that all said, I'm still going to continue on making the case that he is the most important, respecting all of those points. In Football Feminism in You, uh, Jeff, Jeff helps Troy realize that there's nothing to lose playing football at Greendale. This is a big a big hurdle for Troy to clear. You know, he's got the anxiety, he hurt himself on purpose, all of those things. And then another point, of it, uh, certainly a trend that you see among these points that I bring up is that Jeff will have one possibly nefarious reason for trying to help out. But it ends up working out to the development of the person that he's trying to help. So Troy is the case here where Jeff is being blackmailed by the dean and he doesn't want the mailers to go out and in order to preserve, save face, as it were, he has to convince Troy to play football. But ends up doing something really kind of nice for Troy and helps his character develop in a cool, meaningful way. He also, in the next episode, the Dia de los Muertos episode, not Mexican Halloween, which is offensive. And we all know why Jeff leaves Slater. This is a prime example. He has his motives. He's got, you know, a chance to get with Slater and he gives that up for the sake of the group talking Pierce down from the bad trip. Of course, Abed is the one who actually comes in to save the day uh excuse me batman not abed i apologize freudian slip there but again jeff is asked to do something he doesn't really want to do and he generally speaking comes through in a compelling way same for the debate episode he doesn't want to do it but for free parking he agrees to help take down simmons a city college's star debater and works with annie through all of that stuff. And again, he gives her some good advice. Hey, you can't be so type A, so tied up and just a total spinster. Like you have to let go. You have to go off the book a little bit. And again, that's ends up being really good advice to the character of Annie, not just for the sake of winning a debate. Oh, another one too. And this is a pretty explicit one. And again, these are all examples with different specific people In the study group, it's not like he's only helping one person. He does sort of spread the love maybe, uh, apart from Pierce, but he wins paintball in season one and he gives the priority registration, which he wants again, for his own selfish purposes to craft the custom schedule. So he only comes in, I don't remember was two days a week or something. But he then gives that to Shirley instead so she can spend more time with her kids. So I guess in season one, really most or a lot of these examples end up being ways in which he's unexpectedly altruistic. And I think that makes him important in addition to actually helping establish the group in the first place, forming the matrix for which all of these interactions can take place.
0: Yeah, I think at the beginning, it's not even close. Jeff is both the vehicle uh, for the show's development and the driving force of, of the story, right? It all revolves around him. And throughout the course of the show, th- there are times when he's he, not the vehicle, but but that remains consistent in a way that I feel like uh, him being the driving force falls off um, at a more consistent level. But ultimately you know, when I come to the end of this and I look at it in more of a reductive way, um, you can't take Jeff out of the show, right? And I guess you could also make that case, you could make that case for anyone. I think you could make a very, very, very strong case that Abed would rival Jeff in terms of um, lowering the ceiling or, or what community could be without that character. But um, I, I don't see a way you can you can have community without Jeff. So I think ultimately, I'm going to have to side with you here on
1: this one. Well, good. That means I'm doing my job. And certainly another point, too, if there were a clear answer, much like Stephen Toblowski's character in the Who's the Boss episode, oh, class dismissed. This would be done. We wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't have any material to talk about. So there's certainly ways to debate this, and we, in fact... Are you inviting me up uh, to teach the class now? (laughs) I am not not this time <laughs> not right this second but because it's certainly Angela, obviously hope to have further discussions down the road about other characters who bring something unique to the table and could challenge jeff as you already mentioned about abed troy's got a very strong case as well and i'm excited and maybe i shouldn't no maybe i won't i won't say who i'm most excited to make the case for being a hugely integral character i'll save that for when it comes up. So. so as we go forward
0: in Apartment 303, I do want to come back to this segment where we're, we're discussing character superlatives uh, one at a time. And I, I have every reason to think that, you know, the farther away we get from the first one, uh, the more controversy that, that there might be, the more debate, the more discussion. Starting with the most important character in the show... You know it's really hard to make more than a devil's advocate case but when we get into questions like you know the best supporting character or the best female character or the best one season character i definitely see uh, a lot more room for for less chalk i suppose
1: yeah i think so and again the main reason for picking jeff is it's the obvious when it's it's the safest place to start so that's where we're going Eventually into a little bit more tenuous ground. But again, I learned, not that I learned, but I kind of realized and rediscovered how much is being asked of Jeff throughout this show. Because it's really easy to say because Joel McHale plays the character the way that he does. Jeff's kind of this dismissive, standoffish type guy. He's selfish. All of those things are true. Every single one of those is a valid point. However, more often than not, he really does come through for what's best in the group. What What's in the group's best interest, I should say. And it's, you know, it's kind of heartening to go through that and revisit this and watch episodes specifically with that in mind. So and you see Jeff fun... evolving
0: that way on a personal yeah. level. One of my favorite things uh, as the show goes on is how his speeches become less and less effective (laughs) yes and on one hand he's growing and making the right choices but on the other hand you know that whole just wingerism at its truest is it's faded a little bit right to the point where sometimes he's just outright booed but still
1: remains the the driving force there yeah without a doubt and that's a, a a fun transition to the next set of points here. A lot of characters are introduced through Jeff's actions, and that may not, in and of itself, I don't know the way that the way that it's written could be. Oh, this is just an excuse to introduce a new character, but the way that we see it, so one example of that case is magnitude. We get introduced to Magnitude because Jeff ends up accidentally having a party. So the first time anyone uh, hears of Magnitude, that's Jeff speaking to him, um, thanking him for coming to his party. But flip that, and Jeff actually introduces us to the character of Neil, right? So he mentions something about lima beans in one episode, uh, that, as, as if that's the hot commodity in the cafeteria and uh, that fat Neil had this look in his eye. So that's kind of a punchline at first, but then within uh, just a couple episodes, I believe he actually introduces the group, you know, from our viewing standpoint to fat Neil and he invites him to play D and D. So here again, it starts off because he coins the, the moniker fat Neil. That's had some very negative effects, but at least he has the presence of mind to invite him to play D&D, to do it somewhat enthusiastically. And he is certainly not as evil or uh, malintent as Pierce is. So I guess in some ways, maybe Jeff's just a lesser of two evils in that particular case. But he's at least trying to make amends for the damage that he's done. And that's not... Altruistic, like those previous examples that I mentioned, but it's still worth something. So yeah, then just continuing on throughout, you know, the, the seasons here. One other example in season two in the bottle episode that I really like is toward the end, you're expecting a Jeff Winger speech. And I think Abed even calls for it, but he totally bails. And Because he just doesn't have anything. He has no explanation for why the pen was missing. Maybe it's ghosts. But then he yields the floor to Troy. And a good leader, that's an example, you know, and I'm not saying that Jeff is this altruistic leader all of the time, but he certainly knows that Troy has the ability, the capacity to bring some resolution to the group through a different mechanism than the winger speech. So that was kind of a cool uh, transition. And it's not like a full transition of power, but just relinquishing some of his control over the group to someone who ends up evolving quite nicely. And I think we all love the way that Troy ends up being. Other things that I wrote down that I really liked in season two was Jeff plans the entire Pulp Fiction homage for Abed. Which is, that's a great friend move, but then he fully engages in the, my dinner with Andre homage and that's really cool too. So not only is he doing some kind of fun, uh, not materialistic thing, but just planning a birthday party, which is great and demonstrates how much he cares about Abed as a friend, but then when he has this other opportunity, he takes it and he engages with Abed in a much more deep and meaningful way. Uh, than then you see on normal sitcoms than you see Jeff do before or since. And it just shows how important Jeff, or excuse me, how important Abed is to Jeff. And again, provides a, a lens through which to make that episode if that sentence makes any sense at all. We also would be remiss if not mentioning the fact that remedial chaos theory does not exist as an episode if Jeff doesn't throw that die the entire fate of the study group in that circumstance and all of the other timelines are invented because of jeff's unwillingness to go pick up a pizza so again doesn't mean he's the best kindest most altruistic character but he certainly is used to brilliant effect as a character there other things uh just kind of Funny, Um, he masters Teutonic punnery with gems like Deutschbags and Power Krauts in the foosball episode. But then, ultimately, by the end of the episode, with the help of Shirley, of course, does strive for peace on the foosball pitch and moves forward. In regional holiday music, Jeff warns Abed about Mr. Red, and, and that comes from a place of... It's hard to say if it's kind of knowing something a little bit uh, about the motives that Mr. Rad has, or if it's just out of that place of Jeff not caring apathy, I guess. But he's right to warn Abed, and even though he was right, he doesn't come back and say, hey, I told you so. By the end of the episode, he's singing carols with everybody else. So again, an example of this isn't necessarily what I want to do, but I'm going to go support my friend. Uh, one of my absolute favorite examples, actually, is in the resolution of the the fluffy town and legit Republic of Blanketsburg. When that is resolved, it's partially or a lot, mostly because Jeff creates imaginary friendship hats for Troy and Abed, it's something he doesn't have to do. And again, maybe he's doing it out of a place of, oh, this will work on these guys. But by the end of the episode, again, he goes back to the dean's office and you can hear in his voice how much he's invested in actually going and getting them and one was crumpled up in the corner and he dusts them off and he actually comes back and brings them to Troy and Abed. So that's really pretty remarkable for someone who is written initially in this, the show as a selfish jag. He also Jeff defends the Greendale seven and earns them an A in basic lupine urology. And I like this example too, not only because he uses biology to figure out the case, which is great, but also because Annie pretty much badgers Todd into confessing for a crime he didn't do. And Jeff does the very anti winger as a lawyer thing and realizes what's happened. So he ends up kind of saving Todd as well when he didn't necessarily have to do that. He had gotten a C by virtue of, of getting the admission. And that's a rare case where he shows more maturity and uh, a better moral alignment than Annie does. So that was kind of an interesting example. And again, it took a little, took him three seasons to get there, but I thought that was. Uh, a really compelling example as well, and there's there's several more. Uh, I just want to hit on one from uh, the next couple of seasons. In season four, we don't totally write that off, so that counts. You know, for character development, he does win the Hunger Deans and gets all of the red balls, not because he wants to, but because he knows how important it is to the rest of the group and he is also if if i jump ahead again to a couple of specific quotes that other characters say about him because obviously you know so far this has all been my opinion but in season five uh, shirley refers to the study room as the room where jeff made us a family and troy also says you were our hero abed says you brought us all together so all of those things you know i've got this huge list of things that jeff has done and we also know that the characters but by virtue of those last couple of quotes the characters buy into it as well they understand they see his value now as it were and i think those are some pretty compelling reasons that jeff is the most important character and there's maybe another superlative we could use there but i i think i'll settle for jeff is the most important character for those reasons that i've outlined and i would Love to hear more from other folks or you, if you have any off the top of your head, Dave.
0: I'm going to uh, call on the listeners here to hold you accountable for for your Jeff case. I'm going to save uh, everything I have here for our next segment
1: because I'm, I'm not sure how these rankings are going to line up. Now, with that all said, I'd like to transition here and discuss... And have it be a true discussion about each of the season premieres how much we like which ones we can rank them and you know I've done my homework on this Dave I know you have too tell me a little bit about you know what were the criteria that you were using as you were ranking these and determining how much you liked one over another
0: well there were two or three main ones I guess kind of depending on how you want to characterize it Uh, the first one was real straightforward and was just how funny I thought it was, how much I, yeah. I enjoyed the episode in and of itself, to viewing it as, um, not necessarily a season opener, but just as, uh, an independent story. Okay. Then there was the aspect of considering it specifically as a season opener, you know, how well did it tee up the season? Okay. How excited was I? How pumped was I, um, you know, what were my feelings about the rest of that season and watching the show going forward as a result of that episode. Sure, yeah. Those were kind of the general ways uh, in which I approached it. I don't know if you thought similarly or had something you wanted to kind of add or expand on as far as that goes.
1: I went totally just with gut feel on this one. As much as everyone knows I like a good rubric and standardized types of things this was just totally by the gut for me and you know i have a one or more question for you before we get into them but did you find that you liked some of them more or less than like for instance the first time you watched them i know that's something that i struggled with a little bit uh in a, an episode we did last season which was uh, conspiracy theories and interior yeah. design yeah so like with conspiracy theories and interior design that's one i loved so much the first time i watched it but it didn't have as much rewatch value for me did that figure at all into any of the episodes that we're reviewing today for you or not
0: uh it did uh, i think i can actually kind of expound on both of those questions by saying that i, I came up with a list off gut feeling right that, that sure. was my starting point. But then as I went through and rewatched them all again, I did naturally, you know, try to apply some thought over top of that. And my rankings didn't change very much. Okay, if well that's good. All, maybe a flip flop in the middle, but I will say as much as it didn't change, I do think that there is merit in the last part of your question, which was, have multiple viewings affected it and I will definitely say that for my bottom tier choices and my top tier choices you can you can see the connection.
1: Well I'm intrigued. So I want you to go first. So that's for sure. Yeah, you've you've built up the suspense in me, so
0: So like I said, there uh, there were maybe some moderate changes, but maybe this will make more sense to you. So we've got six episodes, right? The first episode from each season. And I've got them ranked one through six, but I feel most passionately that there is a very hard dividing line between two and three and between four and five. And so by what what I mean by that is I think that two of these episodes are all timers, absolute top wow. tier. Okay. I think two of these episodes are very middling, very average, maybe slightly above, slightly below average. And then I have two in my bottom tier that I think are pretty bad. Not ones that I would probably be super uh anxious to rewatch. And granted that's relative. You know, there's so many great episodes of community that we are comparing these to other episodes. Right. Uh so so for me, I'm I'm most passionate about those kind of three brackets. So, my bottom bracket in the number 6 spot, I have repilot. Okay? And in my number 5 spot, I have History 101. Oh wow, okay. We'll get into kind of some more deeper parts in here after i hear your rankings and we kind of see what parts we want to delve deeper further into so for my middle tier i have ladders at number four and community at number three so the season one and season six openers and then in my top tier i have biology 101 at number two and anthropology 101 as my favorite and what
1: i consider the best of all six of the season openers you'll be happy to know we agree on precisely one of those so (laughs) (laughs) oh wow okay this will be fun oh dear uh i didn't have the same tier system exactly i think that that, for me. that
0: came up organically for me, just of for the course. record. I didn't set yeah. out to do it that way. I just was looking at it and felt like, you know, you could easily talk me into switching those two, you know, based on those three pairings. But you'd yeah. be very, very, very hard to switch, um, you know, across those cutoffs. So.
1: so, yeah, if I had to break it down in a similar fashion, I put the bottom one is bad, and I don't like it. The middle four are some version of pretty good. And the top one is a total old timer. Interesting. Okay. So with that said, and now I know you and I did discuss a little bit. Ladders does get a lot of hate. Uh, you see more merit in it than most people do. I put it at my bottom. Uh, on It's the bottom rung, actually, uh, as it were. So Ladders is number six for me and i go repilot at number five here's where you're going to start disagreeing with me in a really profound way i put biology 101 at number four and it's a good episode i like biology 101 it has a lot of things going for it it left me with a weird taste in my mouth and I think it's because it sets up the insanity at the end of season three. We can talk more about it later. At number three, I put History 101. I like that episode. Not as, oh, this is good for season four. I think it is a good episode of Community. I'm prepared to defend it. I think it's the season three finale, but go on. What do you mean by that?
0: Oh, I was just trying to tease. Um, I I, I... That episode to me doesn't feel like a season opener so much as it feels like it's out of place and should have been at the end of the previous season.
1: Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Number two, I put community or the pilot, mostly for nostalgic purposes. I think where you ranked it was completely fine. I just am a sucker for nostalgia. And we agree on number one, Anthropology 101. <laughs> what an incredible episode that is!
0: Okay, well, at least I could take a little bit of a deep breath, because we've got a lot we're going to have to suss out here, but the fact that the one we agreed on was number one does make me very happy. I was very, very scared when we got to number four, and you said, hey, this is where things might get crazy. Um, Yeah. You know, I I assumed that you had moved history up, but um, I, I was afraid with no reason to be, so... Glad to hear that you landed at least in one correct spot. So let's start at the bottom. Obviously, the first thing we need to discuss is we both have the Seasons 4, 5, and 6 openers on the bottom of our lists. For me, I have ladders at the, at the beginning of that, and you have it on the very bottom. Yes. So do we want to start talking about ladders, or do we want to start talking about history and
1: work our way? Uh, yeah, let's let's go with ladders first, and I wrote just a few things as as they happened. I can't stand that intro catch up. I hate it, even though it's Abed. I just it it bugs me. Um, I don't care for it, and I'm not sure exactly why. I generally appreciate the extent to which and the number of times that abed injects his meta humor and normally gets a pass from me normally it's okay that's abed being abed but i really hated it and i i don't have a good reason why that's again just straight from the gut
0: i really liked how efficient it was i thought especially relative to the season four and five you know kind of cold opens that it it wasn't just hey this new wacky thing with this new wacky prism was like hey This is the 90 seconds of what you need to know. We're going to actually get into what's going on here. So, that was something that I appreciated of it. But again, would not put it, um, you know, close to the other half the episodes
1: in in that regard. So, another thing that I didn't care for was Abed's initial critique of Frankie and everybody else you know piling on it actually during my first watch of the season made me not like Frankie very much and that's maybe that's on me maybe I need to see beyond that but it's taken a while for me to come around to Frankie because of someone that I knew and cared about like they were a real person anyone in the study group they didn't like her they didn't welcome her so it felt like she was an intruder to something that i held sacred so that i did not care for Um, i should have been made to feel like frankie was delightful because she is
0: yeah i really like the element of adding frankie to the dynamic of the group and they don't mess around in that episode they get right to it you know they they let her do her little speech you can, they say explicitly, and you can see, you know, on all of the characters' faces how they are responding to this this intrusion to the group. Yeah. Um, at this point, they're very used to changes, uh, but this is something they haven't had. And perhaps my opinion of Ladders is influenced by the fact that I'm quite fond of Frankie as a character, and more so than that, what she brings to the show. On our podcast, I know we've talked a lot about it. Uh, I know on other podcasts we've talked about how we identify with the characters, and you know what percentage of what percentage of what of who we all are, right? Yeah. And Frankie just isn't a replacement character. She's not just a a one for one. Uh, she has these unique elements of Annie and Abed and Jeff that haven't been combined in that ratio. I don't think at any other point in the show. Yeah. So relative especially to Seasons 5 and 4 in the first episodes. I left Season 6 premiere really excited for the rest of the season in a way that I wasn't in Seasons 4 and 5. And maybe part of that was because, you know, Seasons 4 and 5 had a lot more baggage when they were starting, you know, expectations, things of that nature. And it was almost like, yeah, this is still going to be community, and we're still setting up all of this wacky, whimsical, fun stuff that we love about the show, but I don't know. It just felt like I was going to be in for an actual stable ride where they were going to be telling a story and doing interesting things like not just bringing in a new character for some punchlines in one episode, but bringing in a new character or characters who are actually unique combinations of traits we like about people that are already established on the show, but combined in a new way so that all these different new interactions are possible.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's really an interesting take. And whereas from a personnel standpoint, there seems like there's going to be a little more security, as you've just mentioned by, I don't know, just something felt really bizarre to me when they open up the bar. Uh, I think it's called the Vatican, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Wait, the great name for a bar, Uh, but I don't know. Just something about them opening that space. I just it felt bizarre. It never landed for me, and I ironically, Shirley Soul would die if she saw this. (laughs) Right, (laughs) but punchlines aside, I didn't like that existing in the in in the pilot. And I don't know, and I am guilty too everything after season three like as it was happening in real time i was just real skeptical of what was going on and and i've never been able to shake it
0: so they 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 clearly are teeing up problems that will have to be solved throughout the course of the season in this season six opener right but unlike the last two seasons i don't leave this episode feeling overwhelmingly hopeless and bitter about the show and the characters Mm -hmm. like let's transition a little bit here and start talking about let's say you repilot was your number five yeah right? my number six so let's let's kind of transition there that episode i mean there are a lot of episodes of the community that are dark but very rarely do i start and leave an episode and spend the entire episode just kind of in like a place of despair for the show and the characters i did like the parts where and for me what Kind of set it aside from history one hundred and one. They tried at least. It, it seemed like there were a lot of specific callbacks to community, the original pilot. So right. it seemed like they really were trying to make an effort to repilot it. But based off that repilot, I I, I don't know if I would have picked up that show or wanted to watch that show necessarily. Uh, in fact, I didn't watch most of season five until after the fact. Um, although it was not a result of being turned off by the pilot. It, maybe it was just a reflection of what, what a dark place the show was in at the time. But I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on repilot and kind of that whole process.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those ones that was honestly kind of forgettable to me. It had to do some of the lifting, whether it was through meta commentary or, or whatever, addressing the fact that Dan had not been there the previous season and he does things a certain way and he wants to get back to that, you know, we're calling it uh, on formula through, through, you know, Abed's dialogue. That's the word. I couldn't think the word dialogue. So that was, I don't know. I just, I watched it yesterday and I barely remember anything about it to be perfectly honest. And, It does, like you mentioned, refer back to the initial pilot. Uh, I think it does. It treads the line. You know, they didn't make the exact same movie like J.J. Abrams did when he rebooted Star Wars. And that's frustrating in its own way. So it didn't go that route. But it is. it does feel contrived in terms of season four ended with Jeff graduating and that could have been it. But it felt a little forced to to bring him back in, in the way that they did.
0: And ultimately, my biggest critique of this episode is it wasn't funny. I didn't find no. it funny. There are two lines I did two times. I kind of laughed. One was early on. Troy has some sort of line. It's supposed to be a throwaway line like, oh, Zach Braff was only in six episodes of that season. Like after yeah, all this...
1: scrubs did for him. And I assume, uh, and Troy says after after all, Scrubs did for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I assume at that point, they're saying that aware that Troy's leaving the show in episode five, right? Yeah, this season. If yeah. not, that's even better. Uh, right. So that that one did give me a little snicker. And then at the end, when Zach Braff actually comes in yeah. himself on the voiceover, uh, that was a good laugh. But it was laugh out loud funny for sure. It, it may have just been because of how badly I needed to laugh after watching that episode, man. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So, but that's, I feel like I'm grasping at straws to have to say that, you know, to to dig for those as the, the funny parts of the episode. So history 101, I had it number five.
1: You did have it number five. I had it. I had it third is partially a way to be a little controversial but also because I really do like the episode. So
0: I'm going to let you make the pro case for this, but my initial feelings coming into that episode were they went, like, th- there was absolutely, there was no buildup. They were in full-blown max shenanigans, max wackiness, max insanity right from the get-go you know, in ways they really had to build to in prior seasons, and in ways, the characters kind of all progressively unraveled throughout the season, and I just I felt the ways in which they were unraveled were very much still the end of season three, and not really the first page that had been turned forward. Yes, there's the story, hey, we're starting our senior year, and that's supposedly what, what the episode is about, but you know to me this is not an episode four story it's it's just a full blown you know it's it's paintball it's, it's it's community dialed up to 12 right away
1: yeah no i can certainly see that and for me i i put it where i did in the ranking because of what i thought was the strength of abed tv that whole gimmick if you want to call it that for me it was a home run and it did a lot of different things i think really well number one it brings laugh track into community not in a way where they're espousing that as a good idea but as a scathing critique
0: it reminded me it made me hyper aware and i know there's no laugh tracking community and yeah. i know that's one of the things i love about the show but To have that thrown in my face was, yeah, I was very aware of that when I heard that laugh track.
1: Yeah, so I see it as jarring in a good way for me. It's like, oh, here's this reminder that I'm watching a show that's better than that, that's above that. So I like that. I like the initial bit where Britta brings in the hipster glasses and everyone else has them too. Because again, like that's exactly what they nailed what would happen if this was a run-of-the-mill sitcom. And I I just love that so much, and I see it as a critique. Other people maybe didn't see it that way, or they didn't just didn't care, and they thought, you know, we're better than this. Uh, I love that. I also love that they bring in Fred Willard, uh, for any reason, is a good reason to have Fred Willard. He's uh, a good Pierce. I very
0: much enjoyed that.
1: So he was originally one of the people who Dan had been interested in casting as Pierce. So to bring it back to that, too, like, that's really cool, and I, I love that. I didn't so, know
0: that. I'm sorry to interject, but we are going to have to make sure we do a future episode where we discuss what ha- what if Fred
1: Willard had been originally cast as Pierce. We, or we, any
0: we've got to come back to this.
1: Or any of the other people on that list. That's a really fun list to look at. Okay, keep the rest secret for now. That That's already all the teas we need. Yeah, I'll keep it secret. Keep it safe. So... That all works for me and it again it works from the level of Abed is freaking out and similar to the way that he did in Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. So it shows kind of uh him reverting back to that state because he's met with this new really uncertain territory in in just not sure because it takes so Much for him to be able to connect with people. And now that he finally has, and now that everyone's bringing up, you know, the ultimate demise of the study group, just to me, that really struck the right note. And, you know, to your point, other seasons built up to that level. This one started out there. I felt like that was a commensurate response given how much turmoil Abed must have been in, especially since. Troy is dating Britta at this point. So his world's kind of unraveling. And that was a really interesting way to have that happen. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend the hunger deans. I didn't care for that. Troy and Britta being together, I could take or leave that, but there's one really funny. scene. Let's leave it. There's just one really funny scene when they're in, you know, throwing pennies in the well. When, when Troy says, Oh no, Uh, Unwish, unwish, unwish. Oh no, I like this. And just the delivery from Donald is so perfect. Like, even though it's not that funny, he makes it that funny. So I just, I I found that amusing. But the Abed TV thing, I'm 100% on board with that. And it also kind of introduces fake TV shows, which later, you know, in seasons five and six, Dan runs with that idea and takes it in a different way, but there's, like, sword cooking with Troy and Abed. It shows up on, like, the bottom left half of the screen in a way that the community hasn't used before, but it becomes something that is a little bit of a staple, and it's really well done, and I appreciate that introduction as well. Yeah, so we have... We we both agree that we prefer
0: History 101 to repilot, but I have ladders and community ahead of it on my list and you have it above biology 101 uh, which is my number two so i have history 101 grouped with repilot in my bottom tier for some of the reasons i've mentioned i thought it was out of place didn't really get me excited to watch the season Uh, i didn't really leave the episode thinking oh i wonder what they're going to work up to this season it was kind of more like oh they're just going to keep doing chang dynasty forever so maybe there was an element of you know the real life struggles the show was going through and things of that nature that, that play into my putting it down and again i especially compared to these others really didn't find it particularly funny in a way that was either consistent or had high heights and for me it's it's just a very forgettable episode i Probably won't watch it for a very long time. We, we just did an episode on season openers. I'm, I'm trying to imagine another situation in which I'd want to sit down and watch that episode. Um, so that doesn't feel good. And, you know, for me, I have Community and Ladders in a middle tier that I do put above History 101. And I think I mentioned earlier, I kind of consider them average or very close to average episodes in the, the entire catalog. But they both kind of had some similar struggles because in the first episode community the pilot it's the first episode we don't have anything you know with which to start we're we're starting from nothing so you have to do the story you have to do the exposition you have to introduce the characters you know there's you don't have the sort of freedoms or the same restrictions right as you would starting season two three four five and then you know for season six it was almost assuredly for the first time they knew this was gonna be the last one. So those two episodes for me, I don't love them in and of themselves as great episodes, but I think they do a good job of teeing up the season that follows. And both of those episodes did leave me wanting more and genuinely interested in, in what was gonna be going on the rest of the season. So that, you know, for me, puts it above History 101. The other side of this, is biology 101. So, I have that in my top tier and I would have considered it for number 1. You asked me when we started all this if rewatching had affected my opinions. And when I sat down to rewatch all these episodes to make sure that, you know, my memory was was serving me well, I thought, I don't need to rewatch biology 101. I've seen that episode a million times. I've seen Anthro a million times. I need to focus on the ones I've seen once, maybe twice. Right, handful of other times. But I gotta tell you, rewatching Biology was the one, and I had this to an extent with Anthropology as well. But I was more surprised rewatching Biology 101. I feel that's an all-time episode. There are a couple elements. One specifically you mentioned. You know, they almost go the entire episode, Chang free. But then at the last minute, kind of, oh, just in case you forgot. Or maybe should have been forewarned, I should say, about what was up- upcoming. Um, but I, I rewatched that episode. Going into this, it was the episode I would probably seen the most out of all of these. And as we were sitting down to record this podcast, I would have put it on again to watch it. So it definitely, uh, out of all of these, that was the one that I think... Held its value or even gained some stock as I approach this project from the rewatch perspective.
1: You know, I, I won't disagree with any of that. It is it's a very good episode. I have my biggest concern with that episode, why I don't put it in, you know, the absolute top tier, is why suddenly does everyone want Pierce back in the group? When and how did that happen? He's done a lot of things over the years that led, you know, the previous episode where we voted him out and begrudgingly came back around. Jeff did saying, Hey, okay, yeah, we'll let you back in the group. And Pierce says no. And then they leave and then they assume he's going to come back and he doesn't. And it just totally shifts. All of a sudden, Jeff is the one who hates him and everybody else wants him back in the group. So I didn't understand how or why that happened and that's what took it down a peg for me i like a lot of that a lot of that makes sense i do have
0: one other thing i want to chip in though on bio before we segue into anthropology and this is actually something that i think rings true in both of these episodes so that's a big part of the reason they're both in my top tier and while at the end of the day it wasn't that close i did have to consider if I wanted to put bio number one or number two, but both of these episodes, I find them hilarious. And not just in ways, community is always good at having the high heights, but it is consistently funny from beginning to end. There's almost never a time where they are not keeping the pressure on consistently or taking you to you know the places you love community to take you. So I thought that rang true in both of these episodes but
1: uh, perhaps with anthro i'll get less of a disagreement out of you that's a, a safe bet uh, anthropology as you mentioned i think is in contention for one of the old time episodes it sees yeah just from a personnel standpoint betty white first uh is the anthropology teacher excellent excellent choice for an anthropology teacher So, yeah, by virtue of having Betty White as an excellent teacher, um, the fact that she's on the show is excellent. Her teaching is not uh, especially good, but that's a great way to start. I am a sucker for seeing Britta as a strong, independent character who's not a punchline, and I think this is a really good way to do that. I love that she is hesitant and mistrusting at first when people are giving her attention but then she warms up to it and yeah i I just really like the dynamic between jeff and britta almost as much as abed likes it uh almost enough for me to hire an irish singer to this date that's one of the points in time that i laughed the hardest in community i think i deposit
0: i still on the hundreds rewatch laugh out loud when i hear that i love the entire jeff and britta storyline typically in community episodes that's not my favorite element of it uh like i said it's consistently funny and even climaxing with hi on my own drama which is always a great laugh out loud moment for me yep. and love then that toward the end of the episode when professor bauer shoots jeff in the classroom <laughs> yeah and he says that he respects her. <laughs> and you think, you know, you've hit all the highs and then they bring Betty White into the post-credits for the Troy and Abed rap. And they just, this episode never lets up.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't remember if they rated that version of Africa by Toto as four stars and the genre's pop rock. I'm pretty sure I've got that right. Uh, but that's just from memory. So, yeah, the, I mean, any episode that can bring in Betty White, the cranberries cover and food getting dumped on someone's head it's hard to top that it starts from a great place too
0: with the story because you know unlike I said with season four where it seems way out over its skis it seems like it's starting with this this momentum but not getting too far ahead of itself you know they're taking time to kind of put season one to bed and almost kind of tongue-in-cheek wrap up some of the sillier or more commonly uh, sitcom tropes that they did in season one right. so you know that always gets me and they have the jeff and britta character changes that are kind of evolving there but chang is also makes a pretty noticeable character switch here and you know a subject to get into at a later time but i think season two is one of if not chang's best season i like most of what they do with him in that season i think he's funny in most of that season but they're in a position where they now have to write him into being a part of the show even though he's no longer has the excuse of being the
1: spanish teacher so they seem is there a word in spanish for someone who used to be a teacher but is now a student
0: But yeah, it just, there's, there are a lot of changes going on, but I feel like more so than any of the other ones, they integrate those changes seamlessly in a way that kind of gives you closure on season one, gives you a little perspective on season one, but also sets up season two from a story perspective and a momentum perspective.
1: And I think some of that may be due in part to the fact that that was probably the only transition from one season to the next where they actually thought, "Hey, we're gonna have a next season."
0: So they could actually commit on both ends of the story to connecting it.
1: It's a possibility, or maybe it's just a symptom of good planning and good writing and good everyone on the team. Not and again, I'm not gonna give just Dan and Harmon credit for this. I think that was a everyone was firing on all cylinders for this for this uh anthropology 101 season premiere yeah absolutely and
0: whatever the behind the scenes reasons were i'm very grateful for this episode like i said i i think it's an all-timer i'm glad that if we only had one to agree on that this is the one that we could agree on um i can definitely forgive your other transgressions um you know Land, landing in this happy place. <laughs> My other Chang's <laughs> Something like that. No, the, these are these are all, you know, important episodes to the series, but, you know, I think that some of them are... have merit outside of their place in, in the progression, and...
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It was really, really good to get into some of this with you. Um, definitely some stuff we're going to want to come back to, but... I think for now, that's probably a really good place to leave it.
1: Yeah, let's wrap there. and uh... We will
0: leave things there for today. But before we let you go, we do have a lot of exciting things on the horizon coming up in the year 2021, our second season here in Apartment 303. We're not going to get too far out in front of our skis on this storyline, but I do, Adam, if you could just bring the listeners up to speed on some of the things that we've got to look forward here in the next couple months.
1: Yeah. So I've made pretty apparent in my catching up sessions at the beginning of episodes that I'm an avid runner and I like hiking and the outdoors and that kind of thing. I have not specifically mentioned my love of college basketball, and it is it rivals my other passions, to say the least. So for a while now, months, really, I've been planning what to do for our March episode. So. Coming this March, we are going to do uh, an episode on our Bracketology. And we have made specific brackets containing episodes from Community, which has been most highly rated by IMDb, which is, of course, the only source for Community episode rankings. And we're going to have those available on our Twitter. We'll put them out here pretty soon. And we hope that you all will enjoy going through filling out the brackets, sharing them. And we've got a really exciting episode in March that will be coming up. We'll be discussing our selections and methodologies with some of the other folks in our podcasting community. So could not be more excited about that, uh, as evidenced by us telling you about it on January 1. All right.
0: We would like to take this time to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. As always, Apartment 303 is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Adam, this is Dave signing off. We will see you in February.